Welcome to the Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Hey, John. Hi, Dan. Hi, Tommy. Hey, hey what's happening? Boy, oh, it's been forever. I know. Although the listeners who, who actually are, are following along just got an episode dropped this morning that was recorded about a month ago. Yeah. But we're back. It's been a weird month. Yeah, we went on vacation, recorded our episode, went on vacation, forgot the computer, didn't get to edit anything. Yeah, that's all right. It's a little dated now, it's, but it's still funny. No, it's timeless, Dan. It's, well, t- it's timeless. It's, it's, it's timeless. actually it was ice out, which is actually kind of comical because you both lost, and I still have a, sh- a chance. You still have a shot. The episode dropped today, and we already lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to win. Ice keeps, uh, I don't know, it's kind of making ice in certain places. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I drove to drove here in a, in a blizzard on yeah, April 7th. It was like uh, being in the Millennium Falcon on the way here today. It was yeah. like just snow. That's Not fun. part of why the reason I was late. My wife is at a PTO board meeting, and she goes, my windshield's frozen. I don't have an ice scraper. I'm like, why'd you take it out? It's Minnesota. You don't take it out until July. They have a PTO meeting at the bar? Yeah. (laughs) You should see these women. Well, welcome everyone back. We're glad to be back here in the studio. We got to take some pictures of this, Tom, because we have got an unbelievable new table. It's fancy. It's very fancy. Yeah, it's just super exciting. It just looks great. It's comfortable. We got to work on our... uh, on our microphone stand game, but yeah, well, our microphone stands we need to work on. We maybe need to buy ones that are. I currently have my drink rested right on John's face. It's pretty, pretty nice. Your computer's on my face. Yep. And That's we awesome. have some super, super, super special guests. Yes. Let's talk about our guests. So we are very excited here tonight. We've got Kyle Agri and Scott Brewer joining us from the Brewer Agri Group. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing fantastic. Well. Great. I don't know about the super special thing, though. Well, I mean, I got a. John's got a strange gauge for guests. It's either amazing, super extra, super, super, super super special. special. Super special just means I know them. (laughs) (laughs) You make him feel special. That's what's going on. Yeah, pretty much. Well, welcome, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And whether it's true or not, we'll definitely take it. Yeah. Now, you guys uh, believe believe the hype. I believe the hype. The hype, the hype of the Brewer Agri team is pretty real. If yeah. you follow them on social media, you you know that there's lots going on. And if you don't follow them, you definitely should. You guys have your own radio show. You guys, are, is, is it a, is it a podcast too, or is it radio and podcast? Or yeah, it's a it's it's live radio. Um, it airs in in the Fargo market on KFGO and also on KWSN in Sioux Falls area. So it covers most of uh, western Minnesota, eastern North Dakota, eastern South Dakota, a little bit down in Iowa, a little bit in Manitoba. And that's a group that that we don't reach very well. No, no Manitoba. We don't really we don't have a lot of customers from Manitoba. We're working on it. Always working on it. Yeah, we 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 got a pretty good relationship with the guys in Winnipeg because their walleye club. Uh, we partnered up with the. Walleye Anglers Association of Manitoba for 10 years and did a, our club and their club did did trips up to Lake Winnipeg. So we got to know a lot of people up there. So we got a pretty good connection in that in that circle. Did you at guys... At least the Winnipeg area. I was going to say, did you guys get to go to Winnipeg this year? Well, we did. Um, that's a whole story in and of itself. Um, we were there. <laughs> We were there in 30 to 40 mile an hour winds for three days straight. Oh, you, you must go fishing when I go fishing because 
I didn't have one day that was below 50 mile an hour winds this season. You know, but I'll tell you what, though, just being up there, because, you know, we've been going up there for 10, 11 years, 12 years, whatever it is, multiple times a year, a couple times ice fishing. Uh, we do an open water tournament up there in October. Uh, so we got a lot of friends up there. And, you know, just being up there again after the pandemic, we went up last October, which was our first trip up since the pandemic. Um, just being up there is, is super cool. You know, all the memories from past trips and hanging out with our Canadian friends. And, you know, that's really what creates memories, you know. And the fishing is fishing, you know. it's It can be good, can be bad, but it, it is what it is. But going up there and building those relationships and getting to see those guys again, that's really what it's about. Were you guys able to make it on the lake or did you have to stay on the river? Well, we actually, um, I, I'm assuming you're talking about this winter. It was February, mid-February mm-hmm. we were there. Uh, we stayed right on the lake. Actually, we rented a cabin, oh, really? a, a private rental. Yep, uh, it's the same cabin we've been going to for five, six years. The beauty of that is, I mean, you have your sled, your gear right out in the front yard. You hop on it in the morning and away you go. Um, but it's it's probably a nine-mile trek, you know, to ground zero, if you'd call it that, that the mouth of the Red River, where, where the primary focus is, where, where people fish. Uh, and given the weather conditions, that was not an option. So we stayed within, basically within two miles of the cabin. And we were able to fish. And even though it wasn't, you know, ideal conditions for what we had intended, um, yeah, we still accomplished the mission. We got on the ice. We caught some fish and had a good time. I love the Winnipeg area. We were, I was up there this year in January and we got, blown off the water one day we had to fish the river but uh yeah when it gets nasty up there it's it's not a not something you want to play with well i was uh yesterday my son and i were looking at canadian trips and i showed him lake winnipeg and he goes it's enormous I'm like you don't realize how big that lake is and how just massive and that. you don't touch any of it hardly i mean <laughs> no, you just a little yeah. little tiny bit yeah the lake yeah. lake's 250 miles long from north to south end and we're just fishing on the very you know tip of the fingernail on the south basin yeah i don't think i ever have gotten past uh being able to see shore yeah you're staying in pretty close you know and that's the beauty of ice fishing up there is all the fish are coming to shore you know they're coming to that south basin you know a mile out half mile out two or three miles out um the where the challenge arises is there's no accesses right there at that area so you got a long run, no matter where you put in at, you got a long run to get there if you want to fish right out in front of the river. Yeah, talking to the guide that we go out through, Donovan Pierce, he talks about, you know, how it's really challenging to be up there in the summer in the boat. There's days that it's just, there's lots of days that it's not accessible. Oh, I can't well, imagine. We told, did you, do you want to hear a story about Donovan? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Our first time, our very first time we're at Winnipeg ice fishing, Donovan was the president of that WAM club. No, it was second year. Second year up there, yep. He was a locksmith. Yep, and he was a locksmith. And he was thinking about starting a guide business. So it it was long before he did the guiding. Um, And, yeah, the first year, Roger Benoit, I think, was the president. And then Donovan was the second year we are up there. But Donovan, yeah, we've known him for a long time. He is a 
super good guy. And man, he is one heck of an angler. Yeah, he we've been going through him for the last four years and he he makes the trip. He makes the trip successful. He's got a good team and knows where to be and plays it uh, plays it smart, but also is aggressive. It's he's good to go out with. Fun to be out there on the lake with somebody who knows, you know, I mean, they, they know the territory, right? They're, they're not adventuring out for the first time. Like a lot of us who try and do it on our own, you know, he's, he's been there and done that all season long and you've got that experience right there working for you. I've been kind of tempted to see if, about getting on the, uh, on uh, his uh, boat in the summer going out on the red river for the blackwater cats. Have you seen the pictures of the catfish? He catches John? crazy. Yeah, the whole thing is, I don't know, Lake Winnipeg is just fascinating to me. Yeah, it's bonkers. But my, my son yeah. and I are planning a trip to Eagle Lake. This You're going to go get your, I your wanna, battery back? I want to go get my battery back. <laughs> I want to go get my auger parts. If any of the coal girls are listening, I would like all that stuff neatly boxed up and ready to go. <laughs> yeah, what do you do with stuff that gets left at the shop, Judd? Uh, usually I get rid of it eventually. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna I don't know if your battery's still gonna it be goes there. Into the, his personal stock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lithium forty volt is not exactly the thing you want to leave up there. Are you gonna musky fish? We're gonna musky fish and smallie fish. You gonna bring Ben musky fishing? Yep. Are you gonna get him a big musky rod? For s- seven seven days. No, we'll just troll. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Neither one of us are so going what, to. What time of summer are you going to do that trip? We, we are trying to shoot for like July because I heard that's kind of mm-hmm. the best mix of time frames. Like I always think of July as a bad time for us to fish here, but I think their water's a little colder that far up there. You, yeah. don't, you don't realize how far Dryden is. It's, like, it's, a, it's a ways up on the map. That's when Brett a little bit of a, It's a little bit of a haul. Yeah, well, that's Brett's family. Oh, their yeah. resort. Yep, that's there. It's his family. One of our our shop or production managers' family lives up there. But uh, beautiful, beautiful country, though. Wow, that's right in the heart of the Canadian uh, glacial shield up there, the Canadian Shield, and what a beautiful area. Yeah the the five hundred two that goes across is the probably the most beautiful road I've ever driven on, and also the most terrifying. Because every time you look around, it's a hundred foot drop with no rails, and they in the winter time they only plow half of it. We found that out the hard way. When you see a plow coming, you you just pull over and, and send her kind of in the snowbank, and then watch the plow go by. Because they, they they plow it for a certain amount of snowmobile traffic on there, because that's how most people get around as soon as it gets you know into a blizzard condition. Isn't that kind of like the southernmost end of like where like the ice road truckers start? I feel, like, I feel like Dryden is on that was on that show. Like it might have been. It could be. I I don't know. I just remember like every. It, no one has snowmobile trailers. I found that the most fascinating thing. Everyone just has a snowmobile in the back of their truck, because you don't want a trailer because then you get stuck all the time. Mm. Very very interesting country. I'm sure you'll have a lot of good stories to bring back from that. I can't wait. No, I, I think we're gonna go up there for like 15 days. That's what I'm trying to plan. That's awesome. Well, the way this winter's going, you still might need a snowmobile come to life. <laughs> Let's not talk about that that's, as I scrape ice off my wife's car to get here. So how's your ice conditions up there? Are you guys still fishing? or? Well, quite honestly, um, we're making the transition. I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for Scott, but, but I know for me, I've kind of hung it up. Uh, we made a few late ice trips, but 
it gets to be a certain certain point, right? And, and conditions are deteriorating and they fluctuate day to day. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've had a little taste of winter here and here and again, but uh, it's time to start getting the boat prepped. It's time to start getting the long rods out. It's time to start getting that ready. Do you guys have a new Lund glass boat coming this year? Yeah, yeah. Scott's got his tiller, and I'll have uh, the real boat coming here within a matter of about another week and a half. Those things sure are slick looking. So what kind of boat did you get this year? We always joke, Scott, Scott, uh, he's a tiller guy. He fishes from the back of the boat. He's got a 2075 Pro Guide, and uh, I fish out of a 189 Pro V Flash. So little, just two different tastes of, of the Lund, you know, spectrum and what they offer and no, they're both fantastic boats oh they're beautiful boats that gla- gla- lund glass boat is they're really nice and a 20 really foot nice. tiller that is like a that's a battleship you can host a prom on that boat <laughs> mm-hmm. that's you get, awesome. yeah and it, it's paired with the 250 merc on the back of it you can literally throw your passengers out of the seat down onto the floor <laughs> <laughs> and i know that from experience oh, that sounds like something familiar <laughs> So what yeah, you, there's a story there that we don't need to go into right now. <laughs> Did you dump him out of the boat? That's all we need to know. His head was in the light bulb. Or in the slide <laughs> bulb. Uh, that's awesome. And that's there awesome. might there might be a video of it. So help us help our listeners and, and us understand how how did Brewer Agri come together? You know, we hear the name together, but what's the what's the story? How did you guys build up your your group and you know your whole your whole uh, ecosystem that you guys have going you know it's it's kind of funny um a lot of my friends are fishing people people that i've met through fishing uh or through mainly a lot of them originally were through the through the walleye club or through our we me and kyle first met in a fishing league a local fishing league called walleyes or us fishing league it was a wednesday night or saturday morning league and we ended up both being on the board of directors. Um, we had some similarities uh, where my wife's family has a cabin. Kyle is actually vacationed on that lake south of Walker before, you know, so we had some things in common. Uh, chatted at league occasionally, and we ended up uh, both getting asked to be on the board of directors for FM Walleyes. So we started doing that. And then once we got in there, it's like, hey, you know, we do a lot of, we, we like to stay busy. We like to work hard in the fishing business for whoever we're with. And with Up and Walleyes, we did a lot of work for them. Uh, we did that for a number of years. And then finally, uh, we had one small sponsor and I needed a new boat. So I ended up getting on the Lund Pro staff and got a new boat. And then Kyle got on the Lund Pro staff the next year. And we're like, we should probably do something together here. You know, we're doing all this stuff. And let's do a little bit for us instead of doing everything for FM Walleyes because we were doing sponsors. We were doing all kinds of stuff for FM Walleyes, which we've done over the years. But let's do something for us too, you know? So we ended up starting Brewer Agri Outdoors and it's just grown from there. 
Yeah, because you guys are. So, what is FM Walleyes? Because I know some people are not familiar with it. Um, is it like a walleye group or is it like a walleye alliance? I know there's some differences that, some nuances that I'm sure you can shed some light on. You bet. FM Walleyes Unlimited is a plain and simply it's a grassroots fishing club. And uh, the significance to FM Walleyes is the fact that uh, just this past weekend, we celebrated 45 years of club history. And so it's been around. It's been around a long time. The club is, uh, has been inducted in 2011 into the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, uh, the North Dakota Fishing Hall of Fame. It is a uh, – they just have a really long track record of, of – all the way through from the, the mid to late seventies to current, just being involved in community, uh, adult education, youth education, you know, you name it, they run tournaments, they run, uh, their classic cup tournaments, uh, which there are three of, there are two angler, young angler tournaments. They're just very busy and very active. They're involved in a lot of things. And so, uh, it gave us the opportunity and the platform to really, you know, cut our teeth in the fishing world and make connections to uh, a lot of folks in the fishing industry, which have, you know, has served us well. And I think um, our level of giving to the club has served some of its recipients well also in turn. You know, and, and at that anniversary here uh, last Saturday night, we, well, you know, one, one thing we had mentioned was if you talk to anybody in the upper Midwest about hotspots for fishing, as far as fishing information, fishing communities, uh, generally the top one you'll hear is Brainerd, Minnesota, because of the lenders and because of Winkleman and, and all of those people, because that's really where it all started. And that is still a hotspot. Uh, but one of the second or third is the Fargo-Moorhead area. You know, that's why we have an ice show now. We have our own, the Fargo ice show had to come to Fargo because it's an untapped area for that type of thing. And that is largely because of 45 years of FM walleyes, educating anglers uh, throughout every aspect of the fishing business, whether it's learning how to fish, learning how to become a professional angler, whatever it is, FM walleyes helps that there was one period probably seven eight years ago uh we had joined the npaa national professional anglers association what nine years ago kyle something like that and there was one point i went through the list fm allies had 20 members in the national professional anglers association active at that time 20 members of the npaa were in our club and what that just shows uh, the how many people you know at that time I think we had 350 family memberships, which is a good sized club, but it makes up pretty much every demographic of the fishing community, and it's all right here in Fargo Morehead. That, that's awesome. I hey, uh, on your annual meeting or. Did you guys bring up any of the, there's a lot of talks about four walleyes and I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure the club's trying to push all kinds of regulations like everyone else is. I mean, there's so many different avenues. What do you guys see it going at or what did the club talk about? Cause I, I'm, this is just a hot 
topic in general for for me just because I want I want to see it go to four walleyes. I just the six I don't think is necessary anymore. You know what? I would say as a club, we have members who serve voluntarily on, you know, the, the walleye advisory committee with the Minnesota DNR. We have members that serve on, on citizen uh, input groups with the DNR. And those people, you know, they give honest feedback. Uh, um, and, and a lot of the, you know, like I say, people come from our club that are, are serving in those roles. As a club, we probably tend to not get overly political about some of those things. Our mission is conservation, and we're certainly conservation-minded. Um, and we support, you know, those efforts to, to conserve the fishery, no doubt about it. Um, but I would not necessarily call us a, an, an activist group or a lobbyist group in any sense of, of that. I think our focus is more on educating and um, and promoting sportsmanship along with that conservation. Um, now we may have our personal opinions on that, as you know, that's that's aside. But I'm just talking about uh, the, cl- uh, the, the club. The club, and, yeah. You know, yep. And I was curious because I'm going to a walleye alliance meeting up in Brainerd in a couple weeks here, yep. and I, I think the I have a feeling it's going to be everyone's going to be like, hey, we need to somehow start pushing this four walleye limit up here. Just because some of the yeah, fisheries the are just alliance getting... is definitely heavily pushing that, um, and everybody, you know, there's I've seen so much stuff, and everybody has an opinion on it, and they're all good. You know, the, you can say the DNR doesn't have a uh, good reason to do it, except for social reasons. You know, it's not going to affect the fishery. Okay, you know the, that's a good reason. Leave it the way it is. Let the let the guides. Uh, do their job, let their customers be able to go out and get six fish. Let the resorts say, hey, you can come and get six fish instead of four. You know, they'll get more business that way, possibly. Um, let the guy that doesn't necessarily catch a lot of fish, if he has a really good day, well, keep his six fish because he had a really good day. Um, you know, so there's a lot of advantages to that. And then the flip side of that is, yeah, maybe there's no way to to say that doing this is going to negatively affect or positively affect the fishing numbers. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I have read, which I agree with is if you wait until there's a problem, there's already a problem. So should you be proactive about it before there is that problem? You know, look at Northern Pike, how many, how many lakes have stunted Northern Pike since? You know, in Minnesota, there's so many. Yeah, and, and that's an issue. Now they're trying to address it by doing all these different northern regulations. Well, what if they did that before there was a problem? Well, I mean, then of, there wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, some of those there wouldn't be a problem to fix. Northern Pike lakes. You know, the, the question is: Is are we at that point where it's getting close to being a problem? It's not yet, but it's getting close to that, and we should address it ahead of time. You know, so there's so many different ways to think about it. Yeah, some of those smaller lakes that have, you know, all 12 to 20-inch pike, the hammer handle lakes, there's just no big pike left. Yep. I mean, and They some steal of, all your wacky rigs, too. Yeah, they steal your All wacky your wacky rigs. rigs. <laughs> Only if you're bass fishing. That's what I do. I know. I got a question for you guys about geography. So Fargo-Moorhead is an area that we drive through on our way up to our cabin. We have a cabin in northwestern Minnesota. And it's not super 
lake-like. So where are people in the Fargo area traveling to to fish? Are they going over towards the Detroit Lakes area? Are they heading up to Devils or is it probably both, I would assume? Or is the Red River you know, right it, there a good fishing place? The Red River is a fantastic fishery. Um, in fact, Scott and I, as the crow flies, are maybe only uh, a mile or so apart where our homes are, but he's on one side of the river, I'm on the other. And um, I think we'd both agree the Red River is a fantastic untapped fishery. But when you talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, the fishing community in this area, first and foremost, the thing that comes up is the Detroit Lakes, Purim, uh, otter tail areas of, of lakes country in Minnesota, west central Minnesota. I mean, thousands of lakes in, in those couple of counties right there, and they're all about between an hour and an hour and a half from Fargo-Moorhead. So yeah, I'm that's a primary destination. I'm looking on Google Earth right now, and it is there is a lot of lakes, a lot of them. Yeah, there's a ton of them, and there's so many families that have generational cabins on those lakes. They live, they work, they go to school in Fargo-Moorhead, but come Friday afternoon when uh, 5 o'clock rolls around, their wheels are turning and they're heading east to Lakes Country. Yeah, that Detroit Lakes area is known as the 412th area because within a 25-mile radius of Detroit Lakes, there's 412 lakes. Holy smokes. So it's, yeah, like, it's, so like, it's like the Brainerd Lakes you, area where you get, and same with like Bemidji, you just get these huge you know, populations Correct. of lakes of every yep. type. And there's, uh, uh, people always say, oh, but, Bra- but, Bemidji's but fished with, out. But with Fargo, with Fargo, you can drive south just a little ways. You can get down to Lake Traverse, Big Stone. You could go into North Dakota in the Valley City area, uh, Jamestown. There's all kinds of lakes there. So you're about an hour, hour and a half in any direction you go to some amazing lakes. And if you want to go two hours, you can be in Devil's Lake. You can be on Leech. Um, you know, it's well, you just could be a almost central uh, area for all these lakes. Yeah, Webster and Wabe and stuff like that. You're you're not that far away from those either. About an yeah. hour and forty five minutes. Yeah. See, and a two hour radius is still to me. It can be made in a day trip. It's a long day trip, but it's still possible. Yeah. yeah. All right. So help me uh, help me convince my wife here. I have been trying to get her to go to the Fair Hills Resort on Pelican Lake for the last three years. Is that a place you guys are familiar with? Uh, yeah, quite familiar with Fair Hills Resort. <clears throat> um, in the past, one of our FM Walleye's tournaments in early June, the first weekend after Memorial Day, was it used to be headquartered out of Fair Hills Resort for a number of years. Uh, the last three, four years, it has not. But um, very, very nice resort. And you want to talk about a fishery, uh, Pelican Lake in Ottertail County. Scott, remind me, the uh, two-day wait, catch, record, release for last year's walleye tournament. So two-day tournament, six walleyes each day, catch, record, release. It was in the mid-80s. Yeah, like 86, 87. The last couple of years, it's been that way. Holy cow. Do you, you know, if you don't have... You know, years ago, you just needed a limit of 16, 17-inch fish, you know, and you'd be in the money. Right now, if you don't have a limit of 22, 23 inches each day, you're not even going to be in the money. And you got to have a, you got to have a kicker that's uh, 28 or over. Well, or a couple. But that's not because there aren't small you know, ones there, right? I mean, there's still eater size in there, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's eater fish there. It's one of the best muskie lakes in 
um, this part of the state, if not the entire state. It's it's a very, very, very well-known musky fishery uh, and smallmouth as well. Great smallmouth fishery. Heck, do you guys guide out there? I might have to get, have you guys come out and meet us there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you go out there the first weekend, first weekend in June, uh, just follow the boats. There will be about 70 boats out there. Uh, they're going to be on all the good spots. So. Good to know. You hear that, Allie? Yeah, Allie. Fair Hills. It's it, this resort looks legit. It's a American style resort. Have you ever heard of those? Mm-mm. So that's the one. It's the kind yeah. where they feed, where they give you the food. So the food's included. It's like it's like the kind of resort that that was popular from Dirty Dancing. So they have that's activ- exactly what it is. Yes, they have activities. They have a big lodge. They have. Uh, it's a real family oriented resort. Yeah. It actually looks like it. The, the resort has that feel, like you're walking into the Dirty Dancing movie. Yes, yes. Um, except Patrick Swayze isn't there. No. Well, I'll be there. That's that's close enough. <laughs> just, <it's good>. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw yeah, up in my mouth a little bit. What was that? <laughs> Dan's got to start practicing his lift right now. I'm working uh, on the lift. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's we awesome. need to take a break on that note because I, I need to go. You want to go wash your eyebrows off? Yeah, or your eyeballs? I'll burn my burn my <laughs> eyebrows off. All right. Well, this is awesome. I appreciate you guys being here. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And I've got some questions for you guys because there's a a thing going on on both of your Facebook pages right now, which is uh, kind of a a near and dear thing to me. And that's the uh, fundraiser for the Minnesota Teen Adult Challenge that I want to talk to you guys more about as well. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. That's the best. This is Dan coming from the Iceman to talk about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. Boy, our ice season doesn't seem like it wants to end, but now is the time to put in your order for your new open water rod. Make sure you go on to TunedUpCustomRods.com and use the promo code ICEMAN to save yourself 10% on your order. And guys, if you're looking for new bass baits for spring, spring is around the corner, we hope. Uh, Go to FreedomBaitsWithAZ.com, use the code ICEMAN for 10% off on your order. Also, if you want to keep your beer cold, check out Maluna. Maluna is expanding all its colors, making new coolers, making really, really high-quality coolers made in Minnesota. Rotomola quality coolers. Use the code ICEMAN for 15% off on your next cooler order. How do you like that new song, Dan? Adam J., Freestyle Fisherman. I listen to his song every morning. I mean, you're the, one, you're the one who loves the, the Nugent, so... I know. I, I just had to change it up a little bit. I'm sorry, Ted Nugent, but I had to change it. When I it. meet him next month, in a couple months, I'll let him know. When You mean I meet him. Remember, I'm going to be, you're gonna be your Alice. wife's husband for one day. That's fine. I get to be... So I have to, I'm shaving my beard just to be a mustache, and I'm saying I'm Dan Baker. That's fair. Can you guys hear us now? Hey, there you we are. All right, good. <laughs> I wish that we could. I wish that you could have heard us because I was loving that story that you're telling. Yes, Scott. What, what did you say about Kyle and and being a girl with his windshield boat or something? No, I don't, I don't I think, think he said girls that. like windshield boats. Oh, all right. I'm a smart guy. Girls like windshield boats. Everyone likes windshield right. boats. No one wants to be cold and wet. Yeah. No one wants to hang on to a tiller handle either. Yeah. I'm not on 250. <laughs> That's just like an experience. Oh my gosh, that was uh, that was yeah, funny. We we like to jab each other about our boat choices, but there's 
definite places for both. There's a lot of days that I'm glad, like when we're at Pine Falls, that I'm really glad that we can use Kyle's boat. And I really don't like it when we have to use my boat. We've used both up there because it's cold and it's windy. And I would love to have that windshield. But then there's other days where I'm really glad that we have my boat instead of his boat, you know. So, you know, it's that typical tiller console debate, you know, which one's better. It really depends where you're at and what day it is. It definitely is a, a hot button topic for people. People well, really it's, do it's, believe it. A 20-foot tiller, is a, it's a big, long, usually more narrow boat. Works great for 90% of the situations. It's just sometimes that windshield's nice when it's seven foot waves and you're trying not to be soaked there's not a more yep. quintessential walleye boat than a tiller though no if you're a true walleye guy you know you have a kinked neck and your back is kind of twisted because you've been holding on to a tiller <laughs> handle for 30 years <laughs> that back. would be brewer that would be me. <laughs> it's weird because all the tiller guys seem to have the same kind of walk like your arm is permanently attached kind of backwards a little bit i know the grizz is like that he walks into a the bait store and you see his arm and it's like man you've been holding on to a tiller for 42 years too long you know so so here's a small little tiller conversation something i thought of the other day when i was driving that i think that tillers are going to become less and less more popular because of live imaging live imaging is going to teach a lot of people how to fish away from the boat because you need to fish away from the boat, which if you're a tiller guy, you drive over the fish. That's that's what a tiller is for. It's for positioning your bait with your boat, using the boat to position the bait. Where live imaging, you don't, you fish out away from the boat. So that tiller advantage is going to disappear because everybody's going to be casting the fish instead of driving over them. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next 10 years. That, that's, that's a real interesting point because, yeah, the traditional sonar is straight down. So Tiller yep. has all the advantage on traditional sonar, even down imaging. But, yeah, side imaging, live imaging, live scope, I mean, all the different uh, new technology coming out, everything is far away, you know, 20 feet yep. to 100 feet away from the boat. I wonder if that's going to make jig fishing more popular in non-traditional jig times. Jigs and you, you know what I ended up my when I run this thought through my brain, you know the tactic that is really going to play a huge advantage is slip hoppers. Oh yeah, sure. People right now, the slip hopping is extremely effective as is you don't know if there's fish there and it's stationary. So if you're casting out just somewhere and you don't know there's fish there, I you're just fishing and there's no fish but but live imaging will tell you there's fish there and slip bobbers are going to be stupid effective isn't that called power that corking gonna, the, the, slip bobber, the slip bobber presentation is going to be the biggest win of live imaging out of any of them i think because yeah you can see the pot of fish cast over the top of them it's almost like uh inshore popping and stuff what they do down in like louisiana where you see a pot of fish you cast yep. over the top, you pop it a couple times. Yep. I mean, it's the same type of theory. Are you guys team Humminbird, team Lawrence, team Garmin, or do you have an affiliation? Interestingly enough, um, 
we, we, you know, we team up on so many different things and so many things that we use in our fishing, uh, out, you know, and outdoor experiences and electronics is just not one of them. Uh, in the winter time, in the winter time, we, we are, uh, Markham, but when it comes to summer in our boats, um, yeah, we all, we, we kind of use different things. That's five to one, Dan. Five, or four to one. Four yep. people that like Markhams, and just you are the odd man out that can't see anything beyond one second. There's going to come a time where Vexlar is going to call me. They're going to say, you know, Dan, you stuck with us, and yep. we appreciate you, and you bring you bring value to us. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, that call's coming. They're, they're all good units. You know, they wouldn't be in business now if they weren't. We just We like to give Dan a lot of crap about it. You, I mean, you're not Markham exclusive, John. You run your hummingbird. I didn't run it this winter. That's because you didn't have it. I didn't fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't find my transducer. I couldn't find a transducer for mine. Yeah. I tried to use my hummingbird. Mine's in my boat. Great place to store it when it's in the winter. So are you guys running live? I have run the uh, the Garmin's on my boat the last two years. I'll run them again this year. And... Um, and I do have the live scope on there. It's a it's a different animal. I'll admit it's a different animal in a boat than it is on, you know, other aspects and other other ways where people use it. And and I definitely see the advantage of it. But I'm I'm a learner. I am I am still climbing that learning curve on it. Do you have yours attached to your trolling motor, or do you use a different mount? I use a, a pole mount that hooks into my sport track bracket. Yeah, I feel like the people who have them mounted to their trolling motors, especially if they're going to be doing offshore fishing where they have to spot lock a lot, they lose a lot of functionality with that. That was my sure. theory. That was my thought. I want to be able to point it in whatever direction I want to look. I've been super tempted to go with the Mega 360 this year, and thankfully for my my budget, they're almost impossible to find. If there would have been one super available, I probably would have had one by now. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of temptation to try those out. I think I'm going to buy a new shotgun instead of a new transducer this year for my hummingbird. <laughs> it's going to be a lot easier to find. And it's You want a three-and-a-half-inch Ruger or three-and-a-half-inch Savage from Federal? So are, are you targeting walleyes with that or bass? <laughs> for, for the 360? No, no for the, the shotgun. shotgun. <laughs> it would be only bass because... <laughs> John owns more guns than he owns fishing rods, and he shoots guns less often than he fishes. So. I don't own any fishing rods, really. They all just cycle out. People, somebody asked me, how many open water rods do you have? I said two right now. Because every year, <laughs> people are like at the shop, they go, hey, do you got a 7'6 Apex Pro you know, with the recoil guides and a you know weighted butt? And I was like, yes, I do. What, is it gray and gold? Is that the color you want? They're like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I built it two weeks ago. Here it is. So it comes back to the shop and goes to the customer. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough thing some years. I feel terrible. You know, for and isn't, isn't that really the, the dilemma we live in as an outdoor enthusiast, right? Whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, I mean, it, you name it, whatever the outdoor passion you have, you never have enough gear. You never have enough guns, fishing rods, reels. I mean, there's always room for one more. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, when your wife's gone for two weeks and she doesn't know what you're bringing in the house. She doesn't listen to the podcast either. She, she has no idea. <laughs> you know, I saw the, the meme here this week. I think it was a picture of, of um, 
still dance if I wasn't, if I'm not mistaken. And it said, if your wife's mad at you, go buy a new fishing rod. She'll still be mad at you, but you'll have a new fishing rod. Yeah, I that, saw that, is, one too. that is true. I, awesome. I, I was going to send that to my wife, but it's a real touchy subject when I send like fishing <laughs> stuff to my wife. She, she, and to her defense, she is right some years. It's over the top. Speaking of Bill Dance, how much of that guy is legitimately that's his personality and how much of it is shtick? You know, the videos of him falling out of the boat and like. The, did you ever see the, the trolling motor where the trolling motor mount broke? Yes. And then he's holding on. There's no way you could script that. Impossible. I, it was his there. blooper reel is hilarious. unbelievable. It doesn't when, make sense. When he sticks the rods up in the ceiling fan, I die every time. I could watch it a hundred times in a row and still giggle the whole time. <laughs> the trolling motor was the best though because if you had a motor guide in the mid 80s that happened constantly i like when the cameraman falls out of the boat that's a good one <laughs> or when he drops the yeah. boat batteries in the boat yeah everybody knows how heavy those boat batteries were <laughs> yeah a, a number of what a group 31 lead acid battery that sucker's weighing 100 pounds if you go to try to drop it off a dock you're going in with it yeah that just tells me when I see that blooper reel, and, I, and I'm assuming it's all 100% legit, that just tells me that guy is one of the pioneers of, of the fishing media world. Think about the hours he spent in front of the camera to get that many bloopers. Oh, gosh. Oh, yes. there's probably tons of them you can't. I mean, I'm sure he hooked himself. I mean, I hooked myself through the belly button a few years ago with a rip and wrap. And instead of just like, you know, freaking out and panicking, I just unhooked the rip and wrap and stuck a glove over the top of it and kept fishing. My, my dad looked back and he goes, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, it's only like 7.30. If we, we wait until 9, at least we can fish for the last half of the bite here. Now he's got a pierce belly button. <laughs> I did. I had a pierce you know, belly button. If you would have put that on social media and left it there, you would have been the pioneer of a new trend. Oh, it was it was hilarious. I mean, it was a, emerald, a number six emerald green rip and wrap. I'll never forget it. And it went so deep. It was unbelievable. How many it, Texas? Ow. How many Texas Longhorn hats do you think Bill Dance has? Thousands. All of them. They're all white. Yeah. The, gu- all guarantee he just gets a new one every show because no one could keep a hat white that long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's he's the OG. He's legit. <laughs> yeah. And do you guys have any bloopers or any crazy stuff that happened to you guys when fishing together? We got There's plenty of plenty of stories. Uh, yeah, we got a couple of radio stories that we can't go into here on air, but yeah, we we've had some fun fun radio stuff. All I'm going to say is, if you watch and are a fan of Ron Burgundy and know that he reads whatever's on the teleprompter, oh, yeah. same can be said of Scott Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> the FCC doesn't mind; they they don't uh, regulate podcasts, so you can go ahead and tell the story if you want. <laughs> no, they don't regulate anything. We just gotta. Well, I mean, I just have to be cautious. Of my kids listening to it. My brother, t- producer Tom, had to save me from a story I told last show that uh, got <laughs> got a little away from me. <laughs> yeah. So, if you're listening to the last episode at uh, uh, our mark one hundred and two, well, we we made you tell the story, and then it got a little uh, a little bit like, uh, hmm, yeah, maybe maybe, maybe, this maybe should... we don't tell that one on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do some creative editing on that last episode. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Was, yeah. We we have dumped the video camera in the bottom of the lake once. Um, yeah. That, that tipped over, the tripod tipped over in the boat. There were a few choice words said that moment. Um, we got it back, and of course it didn't work, but 
we got it back. Got the memory card back at least, right? Oh yeah. Yep. It's probably VHS back then. <laughs> <laughs> close, but not quite. <laughs> Who was it last year, John, that dropped his brand new Vulcan in the hole? Uh, Jason Rylander actually Rylander. put it in a, a holder and a fish took it. He didn't even get to catch a fish, took the Vulcan and a CI4 Shimano down the hole. And I think someone caught it. It was a, well, I don't, yeah, they you, got, they got it back. They got it back a year later, but that was caught on camera. Yeah. Cause he set the, the camera up and it literally just went zipping down the hole. <laughs> it was it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you know, that was, and we sent him a new rod right away. And he never opened the package because he was so bummed about the first one and the real. <laughs> yeah, stuff happens. I yeah. Yep. I dropped my phone in the lake and I recovered it. I've got three down the hole. Yeah, you your family yeah. drops a lot of stuff down the hole. Yeah, it's true. I lost my first who phone this year. So, I mean, seriously, if you're an ice angler, uh, who? How many ice anglers out there have not lost something down the hole? Oh, players for me. It's like where all players go to die. It's like I don't know if they bounce anywhere in the ice house, they fall into the one hole that's open. This year, I purposely didn't scoop the, the slush away. I left a little barrier. I was like, it's going to have to be a swish for this to go down. I'm, if you start using, like, catch covers when you're ice fishing, yeah. <laughs> you know you have a problem. Yeah. Well, it's got expensive for me. Yeah, dropping phones down is not cheap. All right, let's transition. I want to talk to you guys. I, I teased a little bit before we took our little commercial break, but... Um, I've seen on your guys' Facebook feeds um, just currently and then in the past as well an affiliation that you guys have with a program that I've had some some people that I know who've gone through that I think is just a super, super uh, wonderful program. And that's the Minnesota Teen Challenge, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, I guess it's called now. Um, what, what's, what is your guys' affiliation with that? And, and, and uh, can you guys kind of walk through the, the program you got going on right now? I'm going to tell you just the, the start of it. I'm going to let Scott kind of go from there. But, you know, the, the Minnesota Fishing Challenge event is the, the weekend after Memorial Day. It happens to be the same weekend as our FM Walleye's uh, Pelican Spring Classic Tournament on Pelican Lake. We fish at Pelican Classic for years and years and years. And it was an incredibly difficult decision to break away from the tradition of doing that tournament. But for one year, we were going to do it. We, just, one we were just going to try it one time. I'll, then I'll let Scott go from there. But I just got to say it was it was a tough decision initially. Yeah, that was, what, six years ago, I suppose, something like that? Yep. And we fished that event, and the, the event is it's amazing. I don't know if you guys have ever been a part of that event um, or gone, gone to the – the rules meetings and all that kind of stuff, but they have. So what the Minnesota adult and teen challenge is, is it's a drug rehab program. It's based in Minnesota right now. There's 12 different campuses throughout Minnesota. Uh, they have short term, long term, many different programs. Their long term program, uh, which is where a lot of the money needs to go, is 365 days long. So when somebody goes into this program, they're off the grid for an entire year and they got to pay for them. They got to house them, feed them, all of that for an entire year, which takes a lot of money. You know, the, the cool thing is, is that program has an over, over an 80% success rate 
where most short-term programs are usually around 30%, 35%, something like that. So it's an extremely effective program. You know, it's really changing lives and saving lives because a lot of these people, by the time they make it to that program, you know, it's their last hope. They are such bad addicts that they're going to end up in jail. They're going to end up dead, uh, something like that. So um, what this, how this tournament works, there's 150 teams in it, two-man teams. You pay couple hundred bucks for your entry fee. Uh, it's not like a regular tournament. You figure 150 teams, a couple hundred dollar entry fee, there's going to be a five or a $10,000 first place prize. First place prize in this is, is a trip through the prize tent where you get to pick out a prize that's worth a couple hundred bucks. You know, and it's not about winning in the tournament or doing well in the tournament. The, the big thing is, is that each of the teams then goes and does fundraising for that for that charity. Last year, those 150 teams raised $445,000, wow. which is darn near half a million dollars. This year, we may reach a half a million dollars, just raised by a bunch of fishermen who want to go fish. Um, it's a super cool cause. And after going there that one year, which it was really tough going that first year because we were giving up on that tournament that we had fished for so long and that we really loved. Um, we gave that up for one year to try this and we'll never go back until one of the two change their date because we will always be at the Minnesota fishing challenge every year. Is that tournament already fully booked? No, I, I don't know what the, um, current status is in terms of numbers of openings, but I know that there are spots available. Um, so if someone was, was just so inclined to want to participate, um, I would encourage you to go out, just, just Google Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, Minnesota Fishing Challenge. Um, you can go to breweragrioutdoors.com. We've got a Minnesota Fishing Challenge page. Um, it's We really set it up as links to, we have four teams that fish under, under our group. And, um, we have links to our fundraising pages on our website, but, but you know, if you're looking to fish it, you can go there and you can navigate your way back to the homepage. And, and, um, I would just really encourage it. Uh, it's a moving experience. It's an, you know, Scott said life-saving, life-changing, life-saving. That is, um, that's not taken lightly because that is exactly what it is. You get to hear some of the testimonials of, the people who are experiencing the program that are benefiting from the money we raise. And, um, you walk out of that rules meeting. If you've got dry eyes, there's probably something wrong with you because it is, uh, it is an incredible experience. I heard about the Minnesota teen challenge years and years ago on, um, AM 980 KKMS, which is a kind of a low power Christian talk radio channel. And the host of one of the afternoon shows was a big proponent of it. And I remember he would have guests on who would just share the stories of what they went through. And, and you're right to say that the people who were, who were um, residents of the program were not, it was not their first choice uh, for, the, for a lot of them. It was, the, it was the last option. And, you know, the combination of the, of the program itself and the commitment to faith and the, and the spreading of faith, I guess the faith-based nature of it. Um, it just is 
an unbelievably powerful, powerful uh, healer. And I, after hearing about it on the radio, I came to find that I've had people who I've been close with in the past who have who I've lost contact with past high school who've gone through the program and have had received the same levels of, you know, kind of amazing transformations. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. I, I was really excited to see you guys connected with it on your, on your guys' Facebook page. And it, uh, it's, it's something that I think is super worth talking about. It is. It's an incredible thing. I, you would, you would, in, hundred percent get the encouragement from both Scott and I and all of all of the folks in our group to, to participate. And what's really cool about the event is that on tournament day, it's it's the residents, it's the people in the program that are there helping you land your boat up on the beach, bag your fish up and get them up to the scale. They are there helping, you know, push you back out into the water to, to go back to the ramp. Um, they give their testimonials. They they sing some songs as a group, they are, they are intensely involved in running that tournament. And, uh, you get the chance to really see the people who are, whose lives are saved and affected. It's a, it's a great thing. And, you know, on, on the fishing side, you know, Scott's right. It is, it's not about the fishing, but it is because that's what gets us, uh, to, to do all these things and, and to get in that location on that day. It's a fun format of a tournament. Never, ever in my life, anywhere else, have I ever intentionally targeted rock bass, except for in that event, because <laughs> you get a bonus rock bass in your bag. Um, it's it's multi-platform. I mean, you go out in the morning, and, and you don't have to decide whether you're going to weigh in at, in the walleye division, the pike division, the, the bass, the panfish, or mixed bag. You decide that based on how the day goes. And when you're out on the water on Gull Lake there north of Brainerd, and you look over to the next boat, and it's Ron Shera, Steve Panaz, Al Linder, um, Jimmy Bell. I mean, you name it. All of these, all of these guys, and you're fishing right next to them for the same cause. That's pretty cool too. Yeah, there's know, a and, lot of and big names. That you're competing. You're competing against Al Linder on the lake where he designed the Lindy rig, and all of those stories from in fishermen from back in the day we're from Gull Lake, you know, this is all based on Gull Lake and Brainerd, you know, just the history, the fishing history that's there. Um, as far as the fishing events, it is very fun, but again, that's just a small portion of the entire event. Is there, do you guys know of a guy involved named Todd Friel? Does that name mean anything to you? Does it not ring a bell? No. Okay. He was the host of that show that I was listening to on, KKMS back in the day, and okay. I, I don't know if he still had anything to do with it or not, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, Al. The book, you know, when, when this started, you know, and we've had Al on the radio quite a few times. We just had him on uh, this week on this week's show talking about this. Um, him and Jim Kalkafin started this event. Jim was a tournament director. Al was kind of the brainchild and did a bunch of the marketing behind it. And that first year, they were hoping to hoping to get maybe twenty, thirty thousand dollars And Teen Challenge was just flabbergasted by that, that they could make that much on a fishing tournament. And now it's, like I said, this last year was 445000 So it's a huge, huge success for them. And kudos to Al for coming up with this idea to do this event for these guys and pushing it all these years. 
so that it's been able to grow to what it is. Yeah, Al has been a huge steward for the fishing and faith community. It's always super encouraging at the end of all of his shows when he shares his his views and his faith. It's, I, I'm going to try to see if my fishing partner could get in on this. I'm, I'm, I definitely see if I can do this. This seems do, like an do awesome the Gull process. Lake one. Yeah. What is it? June fourth? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the weekend after Memorial Day weekend. How much yep. is it to get a boat yeah. in? Two hundred bucks for a team of of two person team to get in, and then they ask for a goal of uh, raising five hundred dollars. Um, and that's that's a suggestion. You know, you do your best and, and come up with what you can. And um, that's just kind of a benchmark they've thrown out there. And, and what I was going to mention just is the fact that it's Brainerd, right? This Brainerd in June. We bring all of our families. The the fishing tournament itself is seven till. I think the latest you have to get in is what two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Got, and we we had dinner with all of us. Our our you know our eight participants. We've all got our families. We all have a, just a fantastic weekend, knowing that we're we're doing some good in the world and uh, enjoying each other's company at, at the same time. I love it. You want to go, John? I'm game. I'm. I shouldn't say anything, but I go to Gull more often than not. No, I've never been on Gull. It's a I've great flown lake. over it. My uh, last year, my dad has fished on Gull for, I would say, fifty years. Um, his dad, his dad had a resort up on the kind of north end by Zorba's. Uh, but what was funny is it it got dark and you know you, you head home and now with gps and every all the technology he he's freaking out because he's like you can't drive over this this rock pile or this thing you know you just you, you forget it's like well yeah 35 years ago you didn't have any of this technology i would have never sailed over any of this stuff it's like I, you know you yeah. know where the rock piles are there's there's so much better mapping and and it, it it's cool to see him fish on a lake that he you know took a 30-year hiatus from it's, it brings back a lot of it's that, his, it's that history, you know, that's cool. And if, I, I, w- I would guess for him, it would bring back so many memories. And, and that's what it's about. That's what every fishing trip is about. It's about making memories and then reliving memories from the past and sharing your memories with other people so that they can make memories. Yeah. That's why we all do what we do. Yeah, it's it's cool, and it, it's it's cool to bring him to lakes that you know he hasn't fished for a long time because we he moved over to, I guess the eastern side of Brainerd, so you just don't go over to Gull anymore. It's just too much traffic and too much too much boat traffic. But I tell him it's like you know, you think of it's a lot of boat traffic, but then you go to a city lake and it's it's nothing, still nothing. I mean, nothing compares to mm-hmm. you know Minnetonka on a Friday afternoon when it's nice out. Um, but he he really enjoys it, and he it's cool to bring back memories like that and weird the some of the spots are the same spots you catch fish on even 30 40 years yep. later so if you guys are serious about thinking about entering it i wouldn't wait too long because it does fill every year and the applications have been out for quite a while i don't know how full it is but you know if you wait two weeks three weeks whatever it might be full and you might not get in I hope we fill it up. Let's yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it'll fill every year. Even even two years ago during the pandemic, um, they weren't sure if they were going what they were going to do, and they ended up doing a virtual event, which we did. We did it on a local lake uh, where we fished, but everybody could go to whatever lake they wanted in the state, and they still did the tournament. It was just virtual. Well, another fun fact there. I'm just reading in the 
the resorts around there, and I guess they say the businesses generate $3 million back to the community. I mean, that that's also a huge thing too. I know that Brainerd area is, mm-hmm. is, uh, has struggled for a long time with uh, certain, you know, the resort industry kind of dying for a while. Now it's coming back, but that's a, that's a big thing too, that people don't kind of an ancillary thing. Yep. The uh, traditional North, Northern Minnesota resort. I mean, I can remember as a, as a kid, you know, we, we didn't have a lake cabin we went to every weekend, but we had one week during the year set aside where we would rent a cabin at a resort and we were there for seven days. There's a lot of tradition and a lot of memories being made in, in those scenarios too. And, and it's good to see that some of that is still alive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, John, I'm not kidding. If you want to do this, let's do it. No, I'm just, I'm like, I'm like, how do I sign up? I don't know maybe why. You, why maybe I don't your know boat, why. you, you and Chris and me and Steve. Yeah. I, I mean, I got a place to stay 10 minutes away. Uh, I'm busy. 20 that, minutes I'm away. Busy that Does that weekend. mean we have a place to stay 10 minutes no, away? No, I have a place to stay 10 minutes away. <laughs> we'll sleep on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the first tournament I slept in my boat because, hey, there's no lodging. Well, I'll just lay on the floor. It's, a, it's surprising well, I, how comfortable that is. I'll tell you what, Sandy Beach Resort is about halfway up north to south on the lake on the west shore. Uh, we're going to have all four of our teams stay in there. I don't know what they have for cabin availability that weekend, but uh, you guys are thinking about it. Give them a call and see if they got any room. We'd love to have you stay in there too. And they're and they're running a heck of a special that weekend for any contestants. I, I we think, should make this happen. Yeah, I, I think mean we should. I'm not a tournament fisherman by any means, but I like to fish, and I'm not looking to to score first place. But I can go fish grass carp. Yeah, I think. It, is it? You said it's multi-species with rock bass. Well, it's it's, it's a platform of you can fish the walleye division. You can weigh in the walleye division, the pike division, the bass, panfish, or mixed bag. You know, one of each, huh. and then whatever you don't have to decide until you pull up to the weigh-in tent which division you're going to weigh into. You know, see how the day goes, and That's every brilliant. single division has has the option of throwing in one bonus rock bass. <laughs> I know where to catch rock bass. So, like, I'll, I'll go try to fish walleyes and I'll catch rock bass. No problem. So, so, so then once you go way in, so there's 150 teams. The top 10 from each division get to walk through the prize tent and pick out a prize. You know, it might be a trolling motor, it might be a fishing rod, might be reels, might be whatever. Um, so the first place, they go through all the first place guys from each division, the five divisions. They, they go through the tent, then all the second place guys, all the third place until you go through. So if you, if you can get top 10 in any division, you know, you get to walk to the prize tent, which then makes you feel good because you're in the money, you know, so to speak. That's the goal of being in a tournament is being the money. You know, you might win a, hundred hundred dollar prize or two hundred dollar prize whatever it is you pick out um but that's a lot of fun last year was the first year you know i think both kyle and i have been through the prize tent uh, you know a time or two but last year we had three teams there and we did very very well kyle ended up uh getting first place in the walleye division wasn't it no the right? uh mixed bag. oh in the mixed bag kyle got first place in the mixed bag division our buddy Randon Olson got third place in the Pike Division, and I got fourth place in the Walleye Division. So, 
you know, we all did really well, but that's pretty rare that all of us do that well all on the same day. Usually there's one or two of us that really suck. <laughs> How many people are part of the, the Brewer Agri group? We have, uh, of course, Scott and I, and, and each of us have a son, uh, Adam Brewer and my son, Tony Agri. Uh, we've got Mike Tool. Mike is a uh, he's a student resource officer in Granite Falls, Minnesota, down in the south central part of the state. We have Randon Olson. He's a fishing guide uh, in Otter Tail, Minnesota, and we have Andrew Shea, who is uh, he's another guy like Scott and I from Fargo Moorhead area here, and uh, um, very involved in the Walleye Club locally. Did I get him all, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, and Andrew has uh, the Brady Oberg Foundation, also veteran, a veteran foundation where they take veterans out fishing. That's his pet project. So each of our guys uh, likes to do some stuff in the business, you know, in the fishing business, and they all each kind of have their own little niche where they fit, and they help help out me and Kyle with the stuff that we do. So I got to meet you guys a couple years ago at the Tuned Up staff meeting. Which, which which member of your crew is the um, web designer? That's, that's my, young that's my Mr. son, Brewer. Adam. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. That was the one you forgot your camera at. Uh, and we had to go home. We had to drive back and get it. <laughs> you and I, were just, we were so late getting up there. Yeah. And, and I would turn around when, and get the camera. When you and start did, 30 minutes late and then Dan Furter gets a camera. And ended, ended up, up taking late. almost no pictures at the same time. <laughs> <sighs> That was a good meeting, though. <laughs> All right. And that note, before I throw an empty soda pop can at your face. For wow. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, two years are still burned in my... Burned in my it's really great. You're, I had to wait for you. You were working late that night. I was working? I had to pick you up at work. What was I? I was actually working. Yeah, I had hmm. to pick you up in Oak River. Was I, remember that? I was working at... Was that last year? That was two years ago. Boy, maybe maybe three. I don't, I don't remember. remember. It was a while ago. I think it was pre-pandemic, just before the pandemic. There's a, there's so much of a blur of what happened during the pandemic now that I have no sense of time. I don't know if it's that way for yeah. everybody. I don't. Things that I thought happened five years ago happened six months that ago. That just means you're getting older, John. Uh, that, that happens to everyone just, when they get older. <laughs> I, I also think working from home for that long, I really, my kids were, I went to work the other day and the kids were like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to work. And I was packing my lunch this morning. My son goes, why are you putting turkey on my sandwich? I don't like turkey. I'm like, no, I'm packing my lunch. He goes, why do you pack your lunch? Do you just sit at home? I'm like, ouch. <laughs> I want to feel like I'm going to work. Yeah, I said, I, yeah, I pack a lunch and then I put it in the fridge for a little while and then unpack it at 1130 because I'm starving. <laughs> well we really appreciate you guys being here tonight thank you for your time and uh, this has been awesome to get a chance to chat with you guys and <laughs> the stories are are fascinating what Tom so where where uh, where can we find you guys uh, online or where, where can we listen you guys uh, you can listen to Gone Outdoors Radio each and every week on KFGO out of Fargo KWSN out of Sioux Falls but you can also listen to all of those episodes from the radio show on podcast. And so um, you can go to either of those stations, kfgo.com or kwsn.com. Uh, and actually the easiest thing, Brewer Agri, A-G-R-E. So breweragreoutdoors.com. You go there, we've got links to everything we're involved in. So that's kind of Grand Central Station. 
Yeah, and one thing I'd like to add for anybody, if we've, if we've touched you at all on this uh, Minnesota Teen Challenge event that we have coming up, if, if it's something that's near and dear to your heart and you want to donate, uh, if you want to donate to one of our teams, you can do that on our website or you can do it on our, any of our Facebook pages. Like as uh, you had said, John, you'd seen the links for that on our Facebook pages. Um, or you can just go there and just don't give, give them some money because they need the money because they are doing some amazing, amazing work. Um, and if you can spare a few bucks, uh, they can use it. So, Fantastic. Well, thank you guys for, for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And, uh, and, uh, thank you listeners for being patient with us as we, uh, as we work through our, our computer forgetting and our, our vacations and whatnot. Now we're moving into springtime, so we're excited to have more talk about open water and whatnot. And yeah, open water season is going to show up. I've already been on the boat twice. River time, baby. My boat is still in storage. Oh, wait, because there's still ice on the lake that it's stored next to. Hey. No point in getting it out right now. <laughs> there's, there's no ice to the south. What's kind of ironic, it's stored at Gall Lake. Oh, so there there's, you go. Maybe there's, that's a sign from... Now we got to go there. The old man above that is telling me, "Hey, maybe we should go fish there." I, I'm I'm gonna well, sign up for that. Event. It'll be perfect when the ice comes off on on June third. <laughs> you can pull it out of storage and you can dump it in the lake on June fourth. Which you know, I, 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 we joke because we had this ice off contest last episode. It was a month ago, and everyone was like, "Oh, because it was it w- it was legit sixty degrees a month." It ago. It was warm, and we're all like, "Oh, April second. I'm like April fifteenth, and they're like, "You're crazy." And now we're at the point I think the lakes are going to solidify and lock up No, you might overnight. hit the 15th. 15th. 15th might happen. Yeah, maybe for a small pond. No, oh, man. I've been driving by the lakes. They're they're in bad shape. They're deteriorating hard. We're supposed to hit the 60s this weekend and thunderstorms next week, so. Yeah, but there's it's 19 degrees right now and freezing rain. You've gonna, already won either way. You I know. The last I, I already won. I'm totally fine with this. It's not the price is right kind of thing. Well, actually, it would be if the price is right. Rolls. John's right? starting his own farm, farmer's almanac here. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I lick, I'm licking up the air and, you know. All right, let's make a clean break here, guys. <laughs> uh, Kyle, Scott, thank you so much it's, it's for being you, here tonight. It's not you, it's me, Dan. We really appreciate it. Thank and you. Yeah, thank, thank you, guys. Thank I appreciate you guys. it. This was fun. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, all listeners. 